So thank you so much. My name is Michelle Tepper, and I am part of the team um, that has come to Creation Fest from RZIM, Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. We are a ministry that exists to help the thinker believe and the believer think. Some of you might have caught Vince Vitale this morning or Joe Vitale um, last night. And really, we love to engage with people's hardest questions and barriers about life and faith with God, not because we think we have all of the answers, but because we do know and we have investigated and we do trust that Jesus truly is the answer. But we need to dig into why he's the answer and how he's the answer and how we can relate, uh, how he relates to the very questions of our own heart, the questions of our family's heart, the questions of our world's heart, and anyone, anyone who would ever come to him. So really, we have a big question today, so I want to jump right in. And I want to give a chance for people to even ask their questions in this venue so i'm gonna try to end early and you can stand up on the spot if questions were coming to you if things i said you didn't understand or you think well what about this or have this practical situation in my life and that's why i'm here then when i open it up to questions don't be shy that's why i'm warning you now because you can start writing down things or notes now so why one way how in the world could there be only one way to god i don't know if you have ever had someone ask you that question before? Or you yourself have wondered, what about all the religions? What about all the other faiths? They all use the word God. How do we rectify that with the claim in the Bible? I'm gonna start right now. Really, I'm just gonna be hitting John 14, six. So if you have your Bibles, feel free to turn there, but that's what I'm gonna be referencing the whole time. That'll make a couple points about that passage where Jesus speaks. But there's a famous verse where Jesus makes this claim. And many of you probably have memorized it, even as a child, if you grew up within the Christian faith, which I've run into many people of you, of, of, of you who have, who've been coming to this for years. Jesus makes this declaration. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Not only did that declaration that he made create waves in society, his own disciples he was saying are going, what? How can you say that? But now in our modern world, I would say just as much, some would argue more than ever before, something tends to bother us about this claim. I want you to step in to the awkward with me today. Maybe you rise up, even as I said, I go, nothing bothers me with that claim. I have no problem declaring that. Well, guess what? Many of the world does. Many people within our own Christian community want to ask this question. So let's be talking about it together. What bothers us so much about this claim? Or what bothers our modern culture? I think most of it is about the way that we shape as a culture. Definitely when I say as a culture, I would say our Western culture because I travel around the world and you get to have... Um, the chance to get to know people who have religion um, in an Eastern mindset and different things, but definitely our modern culture, the way we tend to shape our morals and our decisions these days are framed around three various things. A very high care for others, which is good, and we wanna have that as Christians, if you're a Christian here today and you're answering this question, but sometimes our high value and care for others is a masking of a fear of harming other people by disagreement. I believe that's a lie in our day and all age, that if we even disagree with someone else, now we must disagree agreeably and in a gentle way like the Bible says, but we have this lie we've bought into where it's just silenced many people, Christians and non-Christians alike, that if someone states their claim, I have no right 
to say I disagree with them. And so that shuts us down on many issues, particularly this one where we're talking about people from around the world with lots of cultures and lots of religions. Secondly, we shape our modern cultures not only around a high view for other people, but also a high value for personal choice or the freedom for choice. We like the ability to walk into Starbucks and say, I want a short. That's not even on the menu, by the way. Did you know that? A short, flat light with an extra shot with almond milk. Thank you very much. And the next person would want a venti with lots of cream and chocolate and strawberries in it. We pride ourselves and we value things based on having a freedom of choice. But that can also be masked or go into FOBO. You heard that before? Fear of better options. We are a culture as never before that if we hear a claim, specifically this claim of Jesus, I'm the only way, something within us goes, but that takes away my individuality. That takes away my choice. Why do you get to say you're the only way? And also we have a very high value for justice, right? More than ever before in the news, we've got things coming in front of us going, let's fight for those who are the least and the last and the lost. And how is this just? How is this fair? There's so many people in the world that from my point of view might never hear about Jesus. How do we rectify this with Jesus' claim of exclusivity? But also I think deep inside, what might come across as a high view of justice, especially in our Western culture, when we go, well, that's not really fair, is also the people who are saying that's not fair and that's why I've rejected Christianity because Jesus says he's the only way. Part of the reason they're raising the objections, I think deep inside, they have a fear of missing out. They have a fear of saying, I don't want your Jesus. I don't want to live a certain way, but the way he lives and what he offers in eternity sounds so good that actually I would like to have that option at the end of my life. So I don't wanna be cut out. So we're dealing with lots of hard issues. That's why I hit that. So first off, when we're asked any hard questions, whether it's this or, or other, remember, get to the question behind the question. How do we ask follow-up questions to our friends, our family members, our world that ask us hard questions that we go, whoa, wait a second, Jesus is the only way. This is what John 14, 6 says, mic drop, conversation end. You could do that, but how far will that conversation go? How do we get to some of this fear against injustice, fear of missing out, fear of better options, high view for care on others? And that's what I wanna open up today as we go a little bit deeper on this topic. Sometimes it's phrased like this, isn't the claim of Jesus in John 14, 6, that I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and the Christians claim that he's the only way to God and the only way to the Father, isn't this exclusive? Isn't it super arrogant? And even above and beyond that, it's just simply unfair. I thought he was a God of justice. I thought he was a God of love. So let's deal first with the exclusivity. What I want you to remember today is all and any religious claims I would even expand that if you've ever heard the word worldview. If you haven't, it's fine. People who say, I don't believe in Christianity or any religion. I'm not religious. I'm an atheist or I'm agnostic. Any claim of any sense that you would shape your world by are exclusive in one way, shape, or form. We need to remember this when someone first off looks at the claim of Jesus or looks at Christianity and goes, part of the main reason I don't want to be a Christian is you guys exclude everybody. Well, you know what? Every single religious claim that's ever made is exclusive in one way or another. Let me explain it. This comes, why we kind of don't get our heads around it is we have bought into, um, as a culture, I think even within the church, thinking about different religions, thinking that there is a superficial similarity. Um, there's actually a, a lot of similarity, but it's a superficial similarity that we don't dig deeper to see 
there's a lot of differences deep inside. What do I mean by that? Most of our struggles with Jesus' claim comes from the popular assumption that most, if not all, religions are superficially different, but fundamentally the same. Have you heard that or thought that the same? All paths lead the same way. You can get up to God the same way. Why are we, you know, picking straws? Why are we cutting and choosing? If you just say God and you're really sincere, really, some of the things are different, but it's all saying the same thing. It's almost like a poem. Maybe you've heard of it before. It was by a British journalist named Stephen Turner. I'm just going to read a little segment. He says, we believe that all religions are basically the same. At least the one we read was, they all believe in love and goodness. They only differ on matters of creation, sin, heaven, hell, God, and salvation. And when we put it like that, it's kind of funny. But that is the cultural moment we're at right now. All religions, they basically say the same thing. So you hear Jesus saying, I'm the only way. And you're like, why do you gotta be so exclusive? It's God. Doesn't all the words mean the same way? But if you actually even just take a moment to line up the major world religions, what we actually find is exactly the reverse. Many religions, it's true, are superficially the same, but they are fundamentally at their core very different. So it's exactly reversed. And why do we need to remember this? Because actually we can be really disrespectful to people of other religions if we just make a claim going, oh, it's all saying the same thing. And actually we need to call out our friends in our culture that have such a high view for individuality and have had such a high view for respecting other people that say, if you're just gonna dismiss all religions as saying the same thing, you're actually disrespecting many people from many different faiths because every single claim you make in any religion is in some way exclusive if you're making a truth claim. Author, friend, head of our ministry, Ravi Zacharias, who himself had to come to terms with this, being raised in India, coming from a Hindu priest's family background and finding Jesus Christ at the age of 17. This is how he puts it about the differences. At the heart of every religion is an uncompromising commitment to a particular way of defining who God is and is not, and accordingly of defining one's life and purpose. Religious claims all are exclusive if you're going to say, this is what I believe and this is how I follow. Christianity is not the only one. I'm taking a lot of time on this this morning because I think that's a myth and that's something that can put a Christian on the back foot a lot of times going, you guys are the only group that's intolerant. You guys are the only group that says there's the only way. There's so many other religions out there. There's so many different ways of spirituality that say that you can include everybody. But the more we learn about various religions, the easier it is to move past this popular assumption that Christianity is the only or the most exclusive religion. And more than ever as a society, we need our differences to be recognized, not minimized. Why? So we can better understand each other and so that we can respect each other. The popular claim that all paths leads to God is actually such a dismissive and careless thing to say. Because if you line up even just the majority of the world's top religions, four of them, you see that even using the word God means something completely different. Let me give you a quick example. You can look this up later because I want to get time to your questions. You take a look at just the four most popular world religions, and though they use the word faith or God or enlightenment, they all disagree on whether there's one God if you're a Muslim, there's one God in three persons or the Trinity if you're a Christian, there's many gods potentially numbering up to 330 million if you're a Hindu, or to know God at all if you are a Buddhist. This doesn't even take into consideration the character that that God or God has, many gods have. It doesn't take into consideration whether this God that this religion is talking about is personal or impersonal. 
at all. It doesn't take into consideration if that God that that religion is talking about is even willing or able to interact with creation itself. We have bought into the lie, we need to throw it aside that all religions are really similar. Every single faith claim anybody makes, just like Jesus, is saying something. Because by saying, this is the way I follow, this is the truth, this is how you get to God, or this is how you get to know God, if you're a Buddhist, you are by nature excluding everybody else. And even if you say everybody is in, and I believe in the faith that just everyone gets in, you're excluding every other faith that says there's only one way or a couple different ways. What's the next thing we need to dig into with this big question? So first off, all religions make exclusive claims, not just Jesus Christ. Secondly, all truth claims, any claims of any sort, must be investigated. Any claims must be investigated. If you're here today and you're not sure about Christianity, maybe you've been raised in the church or you've come along with a friend or maybe you've just come along new to the faith and you go, what is the difference? about all these faiths and why should I just believe that Jesus is the truth? First off, I want to say, don't just believe. I am here today to say that what Jesus said about himself is fundamentally a truth claim that is so important that will change your life forever. But any truth claim that anyone tells you, whether it's all religions lead to the same path or whether it's Jesus Christ saying, I am the only way, before you make up your mind on it or before you silence yourself, because of that statement, or because before you speak out, you need to investigate. Why do I believe this? Is this true? And how does this change my life? Now, we right now in the world have been called post-truth. I don't know if you heard that term. It was kind of a big term that came out in the last couple of years. Yet it's interesting that though many of us think that we are post-truth, that these kind of things are not important, they're a bit boring, the truth is we all make truth claims every single day saying where we're going, giving directions, giving facts, saying who you are, describing yourself. In a sense, you're making a truth claim. The position that all religions leads to God actually makes a shockingly arrogant truth claim while rejecting Christianity on an exclusive truth claim. Does that make sense? It makes a shockingly arrogant truth claim saying all religions lead the same way. How do you know? Have you studied every single religion? Even if you've you've studied every single religion, have you met the God of every single religion? Have you gotten that God-like bird's eye view, as Joe spoke about last night, if you were in her her topic, from above the mountain, there's many different um, various religions, parables that talk about all religions leading up to the same path. And if we just get above that, then we can see they all go to the same place. Well, actually, for those that say Christianity is arrogant, How can you make this claim? Even if you say, okay, we're all exclusive. Christianity is arrogant for saying Jesus is the only way. It's just as arrogant to say, I am exactly sure and absolutely positive that all religions lead the same way. And so we're ending up, the world is ending up rejecting Jesus on a claim of arrogance and a claim of exclusivity by doing exactly the same thing. But is Jesus' claim in John 14, 6 arrogant if it is true? And how do we investigate that? How do we come to the truth? What is Jesus actually saying when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can get to God except through me. First off, he's making a huge claim about himself. Not about a religion, not about a way to God. He's making a claim about himself. And when he claims that he is the only way, he is saying something that makes the message of Christianity fundamentally different 
than every single religion in all of history that could ever be created in the future, because we're still having new religions that are created every single day. What is this difference that he's claiming when he's saying, I am the only way? And what is this truth claim that can be and should be investigated? Hypothetically, did you know that if you took the founder out of every single major world religion, you would still end up with exactly the same religion intact? You could remove Buddha from Buddhism. Somebody else could have fasted to the point of getting enlightenment and then created the paths to God or to, to, to nothingness, really. You could take Gandhi out. You could take Muhammad out of Islam. And you would still end up with the same tenets, though all of those leaders are very well respected. I don't want to say anything against that if you have friends or followers. But the point is you can take every major founder or leader of any other world religion out and remain with exactly the same faith system or religion intact. Why can't you do that? For Jesus, if you take Jesus out of Christianity, you lose the whole thing. Why? Because every other religion, every other philosophy, every other form of spirituality and enlightenment says, this is the way you get to God. This is the way you get to enlightenment. This is the way you get to happiness. This is the way you get to freedom. This is the way you fill in the blank from whatever religion you've ever come across. And you do it by thinking differently, you do it by living differently, you do it by having some sort of mystical experience, and then you will get there. All other religions give you advice or rules or regulations of how to get to God, redemption, you fill in the blank. Jesus turned it on his head. He said, you can't get to me. You can't save yourself. God has come to us. I have come to you. And this is where the Christian's confidence comes from. This is why we have to be so clear about what Christianity is about. And if we use words like cross and sin and Christ and grace and everything else, yes, use them. Explain them though. Because in our culture, nobody knows what they mean. And say that the good news of the gospel is we couldn't fix ourselves. But Jesus came to us. We couldn't get to God regardless of what experiences or emotions we felt or how much information we found about him or the directions that we got or the rules or the regulations. We kept failing. We kept falling short. And Jesus came as God to us to take the middleman out of the process. Don't you love it when you're on the phone? I actually hate it. But you are talking to that automated service. And then you get passed to the next automated service. And then if you're me, you get hung up on it. You have to start the whole process over again. And then by the time you finally get a person, they're like, let me transfer you to the next person. And then you get, that's what any other religion is about. Jesus came cutting all that middle out and saying, I'm coming and I'm giving myself to you. That's why Jesus' truth claim is not one of arrogance. When he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except by me. He's not saying, well, you know, sorry, great. I'm excluding all you, 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 and you. He's saying, I'm God. So this is why I can claim this, because this is really true. And what illustrated this better than anything else to me was something that happened two Christmases ago. My husband, Peter, came along with me to our staff Christmas party, and I talk about him a lot in my talks, and a lot of my friends see pictures of my family on Facebook, or even, he's been a pastor for many years, some of them will listen to him on podcasts, and so there, there was just this familiarity that my 
ministry had with Peter. And we showed up at this Christmas party, and it was about an hour in to the Christmas party. We sat down at a table, and a very good colleague reached across me, and he went, hey, I'm Sean. And Peter's like, hey, I'm Peter. It's the first time I got introduced all night. Thanks so much. And I felt like the worst wife in the world. And why was it? Because I had forgotten that just because people had heard stories of him, just because I had shown pictures of him, just because people had even listened to his words, they actually weren't getting to know Peter. They were getting to know about Peter. The only way to actually get to know Peter is if Peter introduces himself to somebody else. You can get very close. And that's what Jesus is saying. That's how, if we kind of think of his claim that way, that's what he's saying. He's like, look, you can read stories about me. You can sing songs about me. Different religions, and I would say this, are hungering for the real Jesus Christ, but they don't have the words. There's a hunger for eternity, the Bible says, in every single heart and mind. And so for me, it doesn't make me fearful. It doesn't make me wonder why there are so many religions in the world because the Bible says that God has put eternity in the hearts of men. So throughout history and throughout time, all of humanity have been trying to get to this God, even if they don't even believe there's a God. They've been trying to fulfill the satisfaction. So they've been writing, in a sense, their own religions, writing paths, having experiences, trying to get to God, being very close. But Jesus came to clear up any creative differences, if it were. He claimed to take the middleman out of the process. And this claim is a claim that changes everything. And I want to challenge every single one of you. If you have not taken the time, take the time to investigate why and how Jesus makes the claim to be the one true God, because it's a claim that can and must be investigated even if you've been raised in the Christian faith. Why does the Christian trust that Jesus is the only way? Not just because he said it in the Bible. We trust that Jesus is God because we can investigate this claim in history and then believe it to be true. Take time to investigate the teachings of Jesus, the historical record outside of the Bible. Did you know that there is outside of the Bible, extra biblical sources, the way you would say it academically, where people have a history, a footprint of Jesus of Nazareth in reality, not just his life, not just his birth, not just his death, but the fact that there's an empty tomb and nobody could explain why we could not produce his body. So Jesus makes this claim that he's God. He lives and he loves and he's born, fulfilling all these prophecies that only, in my opinion and many opinions around the world, could be divine. But then the culminating evidence that we have besides his historical record is that he died the most sacrificial death to show the great love and character of God, to clear up the fact that this is important. When you're talking about the existence of God to your friends, you don't just want to backdrop them on why you can believe in the evidence of the existence of God because of cosmology and many different things if you've dabbled into any of this. Because even if you get someone to believe there could be a God, that doesn't clear up whether that God could be trusted. It doesn't clear up whether that God is a God of grace and a God of love, a God of repentance, a God of redemption. So Jesus came not only to show and prove once and for all God does exist, but to show and prove once and for all through his life through his cross, through his death, and then through his resurrection, that he's the God who founded life. Because only the God who founded life could come, live the life he lived, be born in human flesh, die, and then be raised dead. And not only the God who founded life, the creator of all the world, but the God of love. 
that this existing God is a God of love because of the way that he conquered death. Are we explaining Christianity that way? For the Christian, truth is intensely personal. It's found and confirmed and authenticated in the historical existence and the moral character of Jesus Christ. So when we say the word faith, and I want to challenge you today, don't just describe or understand your faith in Jesus Christ as a blind leap. Our faith is not blind, nor is it arrogant. It's not just an acceptance of ideas. It's a confident decision to trust a real person. A confident decision to trust a person not only that was historically existent, but to trust the person because of his moral character. Our faith is not arrogant. It is not the only exclusive faith. It's a confident decision to trust a real person. But even if we clear up the two main fears that I believe some of our hearts have and the rest of the world have about Christianity being exclusive, if we follow the claim of Jesus Christ, or it being an arrogant claim, there could only be one way, maybe within your heart and mind you're saying, well, there's still one more thing. Even if I meet you there, Michelle, none of this maybe was new for any of you. What about everybody else? What about those who haven't heard? What about my friend or my neighbor? For three years, the last three years, I lived in England for 13 years. We've only just moved back um, in the last three years uh, to the States, my family and I, but for the last three years, we lived next to a beautiful Sikh family. My daughter was best friends with a little girl. Uh, a storm came and knocked down the fence and we never fixed it for three years because the girls would jump through. And we got to know them, we got to love them. We even celebrated some of their customs with them because it, they were inviting us into their family. And maybe you have friends like that. And you go, what about them? And I would say this brings us to the root of the main objection people, or maybe even your own heart, has about Christianity. For many of us who work through flawed assumptions about exclusivity and arrogance, these answers still leave some serious doubt about the character and nature of a God who seems to leave such a narrow path to himself. But I love that if you just look a couple verses up from Jesus' historic monumental claim about being the way and the truth of life, how does he start it? He starts it with, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms, many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Christianity, the good news of the gospel, not only recognizes the importance and the reality of the human hunger and desire for the, the, the divine, it actually explains it. What do I mean by that? The evidence of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus tells the story clear and in history and living color of the one true God that all of these other religions and all of our other friends, and you put a personal face to whoever we're, th we're thinking about right now, have been hungering for and trying to get to all of their lives. He is the God of love and he is also the author of life. And the Bible tells us that all of history as we know it has been marked with imprints and evidence of this author of life, which, as I said earlier, explains the creation of so many different religions. They show humanity's constant hunger for God and our attempts at trying to connect for this God. But what Christianity brings in is the author writing himself into the very story to make himself known to the characters. Why? To give us confidence and security about our roots and value and significance and purpose and destiny in life. If you are a Christian here today, 
We can and we should take other religions seriously. We should not dismiss them or disrespect them out of fear. And I'm going to explain what I say before people get a little bit worried. But what if we started to view those of different religious backgrounds, not as enemies or as threats, but as hungry people who are very close to the truth, who have been looking all of their lives, or been handed down a tradition that shows they have a desperation and a hunger for a connection with the real God, and we start viewing them that way. And then when we bring up what the Bible says about our very God, it helps to comfort our heart even now. In 2 Peter 3, 9, it says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but he's patient towards you, not wishing that others should perish, but that all should reach repentance. As Christians, what I am saying today, and I want to, you to walk away with this, we must and do cling to and defend the biblical truth that Jesus is absolutely the only way to God. But we can also passionately trust that based on God's great love and desire for humanity, there must be as many different ways to Jesus as people who walk the earth. Now, let me give you an illustration to explain that. I just got back from India less than two weeks ago, and I met a beautiful girl called Jogita. And Jogita came up to me and I was, she was actually on a course where she was learning things about Christian apologetics. That's this term we use of answering hard questions of faith. So I just made this assumption. She had been a Christian for a while. She was asking good questions. And at one point she said, you know, I've only been a Christian for two years. She said, I was a core Hindu. I'm like, what does that mean? That just basically means like I'm a fundamental Christian, right? She's like, I was a core Hindu and I was a happy core Hindu. I love that she put that there. She wasn't looking for anything. And she goes, you know what I love about Christianity is that in Hinduism, I chose my God. Because remember, they have up to 330 million gods. And I loved the gods I chose. But in Christianity, God chose me. And then before I left, she took time to tell me the story of how she came to Jesus Christ. In some senses, she's exactly the type of person we're all afraid of. We'll never know this God. Happy Hindu, raised in a core faith, devout. And less than two years ago, she had a dream. And in this dream, she was on a ship. And in the ship, she woke up from her cabin where her family was there. And she started wandering through the different uh, doorways and hallways and she got desperately lost. It was a giant ship and she sat down on a white bench and she began to cry because she thought, I'm never going to find my way back home. And the first person that walked over to her was a man with a long beard and she explained to me for her and in that culture, that was a Muslim man. And it's interesting because her, her sister married a Muslim man and so her sister has converted out of Hinduism, but she was Muslim. And he came and he tried to show her the way, but he could not show her the way. And so she was still lost. And she sat there on the bench as he walked away from her crying, more scared than ever, because even with help, she could not get back. And suddenly, a man who she couldn't describe, but had a bright light behind him, came up to her, looked her in the eyes, kissed her on top of the head, and she said, love like I had never experienced or even thought I needed or wanted in my life, flooded my body. He looked me in the eyes and he said, follow me. I'll show you the way to go. He took her by the hand, suddenly cleared all of the hallways and paths, brought her home. She woke up. She didn't even have the words to search for Jesus at this point. And then that described the next couple of months where she began to search. 
She tried to find a Bible. She tried to ask through many different religions until she finally was handed a Bible. She looked in many different religions. She started reading the Gospels, and she realized the man Jesus was the man who led her home. What I want us to remember today is though in our Western context where this is the main way we receive information, right? We go to school and we have a teacher talk at us. We go to church and we have people talk at us. We go to um, uh, festivals and people talk at us. We listen to politicians and they talk at us, right? That in a world where there is lots and lots of talking and we have access to so many things, it's easy to think, what if the talking you've heard is different than my talking all my life? Or what if you don't have access to those things? Do we not know and trust from the character that Jesus Christ lived out in his very life that he loves the world just as much, I would dare argue, more than even we do? And if he is passionate and he gave up his very lives to find us, that although we might receive it by raising our hand in a Sunday school class and getting Jesus all laid out from a very early age, he can and he does find the Jogitas out there. What I know for sure is that Jesus is the God who came to us. That's how he can make the claim that he's the only way to God because he is actually the only God. He proves it in his life, he proves it in his death, and he proves it in his character because he's still coming to people today. And to end and open it up to time of q and I want to read out a passage and ask you one more question. In Acts 17, verses 26 through 27, this is what Paul says when he's wrestling with this very same thing in Athens, hearing people ask about gods that are unknown. He says, he, talking about God, made all people of every nation, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their land. Why did he do that? Not to make it harder. He goes on to say, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out to him and find him, though he's not far from any one of us. Christianity is the only way because Jesus, the only God, came to us and he's not far from any one of us today or any person around any part of the world. And so before I open it up to Q&A, I have one last question. What about you? Do you trust this God? Have you been holding him at bay because you think maybe he is exclusive, maybe he is arrogant, maybe he is unjust, maybe if I choose to follow him with my whole life, I will be excluding or losing or sending my family to hell. Some people worry about that if they accept Jesus. Will you trust the real Jesus, not your version you made up in your mind? Will you trust the Jesus who transcends time and space and rules and regulations and comes to the cross and tears everything up and says, follow me? And following him does mean you change your life forever, but he comes and he seeks and he finds and he redeems. So I want to give an opportunity if anybody here wants to do that today. I won't make you do anything. We have a prayer tent you can go to um, after the evening session or you can come to talk to me afterwards. But I think there might be people here today that they've just been holding themselves at bay. I want to give you a chance to say yes to the real Jesus, that you trust him. If you wouldn't mind just bowing your head. I'm going to read out a prayer. Feel free to echo it in your heart. If you want to say, Jesus, I trust you. I'm not going to hold myself away. Heavenly Father, I'm sorry for trying to reach you on my own or even ignoring you completely because I was confused or fearful. Thank you that through Jesus, you have 
in history and do now through the power of your Holy Spirit and your Bible and the Word and so many other things, you reach out to us. I want to get to know you. Forgive me for living apart from you, for judging you based on my own standards. Come, please, fill me up. Make me new. Lead me home with you. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Okay, we've got about 10 minutes for questions. And I want to give people a chance to ask questions. I know it might be hard. Maybe it's not. Maybe I said a whole bunch of stuff and you're like, what? I have a question right away. If you want to just stand on the spot and ask your question, I would love to hear it. Even if you disagree with everything I said, that's what we do. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. So I'm going to repeat it for those of you who didn't hear it. What do you do with someone who doesn't believe the Bible is true? Because I used a lot of scriptures here today to show the nature and character of God. What I would say is it's okay, especially when you're first reaching out to your friend or family member that is not a Christian. It's okay to reach outside of the Bible and bring in a hunger for God. That's what the Apostle Paul was doing when he was in Athens. He just looked at a tombstone and he used that and he quoted a poet that was known in their time that was not a Christian poet and he stirred a hunger for the living God. So that's one way. So we can get more creative about the way that we stir people's hunger for God. We can talk about a hunger for truth, a hunger for value, a hunger for finding home, a hunger for redemption is what I try to point um, to today. Um, or... We can, and depending on, I would say, how close you are to the person and how much you've dug into this yourself, there is so much evidence for the validity of Scripture. Sometimes people just haven't looked into that at all. And so what I like to do when someone asks a question going, well, don't quote to me anything of the Bible if you're going to talk to me about whatever topic because I don't believe the Bible. Um, first I'll say, okay, and I'll use some of those other things to just talk about different things just to kind of understand where they're coming from. But I will say, you know, what gave you that view of the Bible? What is it? Is there something specific in the Bible that you don't agree with? How do you know? Instead of just going in, because I could go in with a two-hour lecture that I've given to a class in Oxford before about the history of the Bible, that person will run away or fall asleep, right? So we don't want to do that either. But you ask specific questions, follow up. So what is it? Do you have something specific? And you'll know very soon by how they answer if they've just bought into kind of a popular assumption where you can't trust the Bible, they have no reason to know. And then you can kind of gently go, well, did you know that there's a lot of evidence that we have for the New Testament being the most well-preserved and most attested to historical document we have in all of antiquity or all of ancient history? Did you know that there is resources outside of the Bible from just about exactly the same time as all of the events that happened in the biographies of Jesus instead of using words like gospels? That we can look to Jewish historians, we can look to Roman historic, historians, we can look to Greek historians, and they show exactly the same events happening, and they reference Jesus. Sometimes it's as easy as that. So take some time to look into it. There's some great resources online. I know um, we have a YouTube channel, rzam.org, and you can listen to any and all of the talks that we do for free if you want to just resource yourself in that way. Take some time to look into it. Great question, though. Someone else with a question. That was a great question to start with. Thank you for being bold. Right here. All right, so this is probably a little too in-depth, but... Um, no, it's all right. So if you look at like how Buddhism came about from Hinduism, it started as a ritualistic, and then it spread into more of a 
like religious activity. Like it's more of a, I don't know, like more liberal. Um, and then you see the transformation from Judaism to Christianity. How do you define the difference of that just being a cultural movement versus mm -hmm. this is the real deal versus it's just another cultural movement? Yeah. So specifically, all of those movements are just religions in general, or so like, well, just Christianity specifically. How do you how, in that example? Yeah, that's a good question. So let me phrase it back to you to see if I to okay. to kind of make it a little bit briefer. Yeah. How how do you um, make a case in a sense or, or or prove or understand how Christianity isn't just another another evolution of a religion? Yeah, of religion moving from one thing and another rejection. Because you're right. When I started with all religions are exclusive, pretty much most of the religions we know about are born out of excluding one religion or another. And so a new religion is created. Here's how. You look at what the religion is claiming, right? And it is very true. And historically, uh, Hindus and Buddhists would have no problems with you saying, actually, Buddhism was born out of a rejection of this darkness. And actually, because there was a hunger for answering the question of why suffering, which we didn't spoke at today, right? There was a rejection of that. And then you talk about, well, then there was, you know, Judaism and so many things that you can bleed into, not just with um, Buddhism. If you look at ancient um, myths and mythologies back in the time of Genesis, a lot of, there's a lot of things that are very similar. And people go, how are we sure that Christianity isn't just the, the last kind of ultimate um, evolution of religions? Through Jesus, through the fact that we claim to know the one true God. Why? Not because it's just a rejection of something else. Because even Christianity's movement from Judaism to Christianity, Judaism was hungering for the Messiah. The proof and the evidence of Jesus Christ came even before he was born. The, the uh, probability of one man fulfilling even eight, and there's over 350 prophecies that were given about the Messiah, who as Christians we would believe, if you're a Christian today, that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Messiah. The probability of one man fulfilling just eight, which they did a study on this in MIT years ago, is one to the power of 18. That's like one with 18 zeros. Over. I can't even say that word. And my daughter, who's actually over there, will know I'm bad with math, right? But you can look up that. that that's just the probability. Jesus fulfilled every single one of them. So the movement from Judaism to Christianity specifically is not just an evolution. That's a, we've been hungering for the real living God to come. And actually there's enough evidence historically that this God showed up because how could he have fulfilled all those prophecies? How could he live the way he lived even when he was outcast and he was spat on and he was creating all those things? How could he come back from the dead? How could he forgive sins? And that's why Christianity came from Judaism because Christians were Jews that were hungering for the Messiah. But the beautiful thing that widens the loop for those who were not even Jews hungering for the Messiah is Jesus actually was killed. I, you could make the argument because he constantly was reaching out across religion, across culture, across gender barriers and saying, guess what? Not only has the Messiah shown up and it's not just for God's chosen people. Guess what? You're all chosen. Because because God so loves the world, and I'm here to show you that I'm real, and I'm going to reach across every single boundary to pursue you, because that is the message. So I would say go and dig into the historical revel, um, relevance of who Jesus Christ is, and sink your teeth into it, and anybody else, and that is clear enough evidence for why Christianity isn't just one more evolution of another religion, but the one true God. Good question. Yeah. I think we're at the end of our, oh, we have a little bit more time. Anyone else have one final question? 
Okay, just here, and then we can, I'll try to answer fast. We'll go two more, okay? Oh, sorry, there's a, there's a thing I can't hear. I can't hear. So two really good questions. How do we respond to a Muslim? I don't know if any of you have any Muslim friends or family members who would say, you believe in three gods, not one. We reject uh, uh, Christianity because of your you know, heresy about three gods in the Trinity. And then secondly, sorry, went out of my head. The second question. That Jesus never really actually claimed to be God. Anyway, let me start there and then I'll go backwards. Actually, for the sake of time, Abdu Murray, I believe is speaking tonight at the Fringe um, stage, and he's one of our team, and he actually um, is a convert from the Muslim faith. And so he will specifically go into things. So for the sake of time, I would say do that and maybe come up to me afterwards. Um, Jesus did claim to be God. If you look in even John 8, when he's talking to the Pharisees, he says things like, I saw Satan fell, fall like lightning. He's claiming preeminence before creation. He said before Abraham was, I am. He forgave sins. And even the Pharisees would say, who has the power to forgive sins apart from God? He said, if you look at the Father and you want to see the Father, you see me. So it's actually, um, it's a common thing to say Jesus never claimed to be God, but he did by the way he lived and what he taught. And then just it's good to remember that as Christians, when we dive into the Trinity, we do not believe in three gods. We believe in one God, one God who is known and expresses himself through three different persons. It's hard to get our heads around because we, as human beings, we are one human being. All of us are human beings, right? But my personhood is who? I am Michelle, right? In who I am. God is a divine being. He's not a human being. So he's something completely different. We should expect he's something completely different because that's why he is other. That's why he's different. He came in the flesh through Jesus Christ, right? But he is a divine being made up of three persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Why this is beautiful, and I would really recommend, um, there's a wonderful book, Easy Read, called The Good God by Mike Reed, who just opens this up to make you want to worship and understand um, Jesus Christ and God the Father and the Holy Spirit even better. So read that. Um, but basically, why we cling to that as Christians is that's how we can claim that God is love. Because believing that God is eternally a loving relationship, he's never been by himself, it means that we can be sure that God has never been self-centered and just individualistic. He has always known and been and had love. And so he created us out of the overflow of love. The love and the relationship and the Trinity were so great that it overflowed into the creation of humanity, not out of a need or a want or a vanity for servants or for relationship. He is perfect love. And so that is a real good understanding for why we know the nature and character of God really quickly this question that I will release you. If you have to go, feel free. The girl that had Jogita, she was, I, I think she was maybe late 20s. Yeah. I didn't ask her specifically, but by the job, she told me the life experiences, late 20s to early 30. Why? Do you have a follow-up question for that? Yeah. 
Okay, well, if you have a follow-up question afterwards, feel free to come up and ask. Guys, thank you so much. Um, I think that there's many different topics being talked about at 2 o'clock by some of our team, all the different stages. Um, we have a booth as well. So if you have further questions, go to the booth. And if you prayed that today or after any of the other sessions, don't forget to go by the prayer tent. If you want to follow Jesus and your life has been changed, go, go to the prayer tent. Thank you guys so much. Bye-bye.